As we begin this morning, I just want to come from the direction of how this sermon came together. Why? Why? What's the source? What's the origin of it? And uh, as I mention these things to you this morning, I, I think perhaps you should just hang on to your seats. You've got arms on the seat there, hang on to it, you know, so you don't fall over or run out the exit or something like this, because I want to speak very, as gently as I can, and yet this is the source of this message. This is happening around the world. It's a bit shocking. Gender discrimination, the hot topic in the news. And I want to just gently mention this. In its 2022 fiscal year budget, released recently, in a section that deals with bringing down maternal mortality rights, the U.S. government has replaced the word mothers with birthing people. Secondly, the Australian National University Gender Institute Gender Inclusive Handbook, called Every Voice Project, suggests changing the term mother to birthing parent and using non-birthing parent instead of father. And that particularly is of interest to me this morning. Thirdly, in the UK, the term breastfeeding is under threat in favour of chest feeding. In a UK hospital, language instruction for midwives. And fourthly and lastly, for the source of the talk this morning, the Grace Church School in Noho, that's in US, gives a detailed guide recommending the use of terms like grown-ups, folks, family, guardians, or caregiver instead of mum, dad, or parent. So I've emphasized in the note to today, in the note you have today, the word father. And the source of my thoughts come from this verse, because this, this portion of God's word, a lovely portion of God's word, John, the whole of the book of John is so precious because it's a, it's a really devotional subject. John is a devoted disciple to the Lord. And he speaks with such love and tenderness. John chapter 17 is known as the high priestly prayer. It is about Jesus continuing to mention us in the presence of God. I brought along a, a book, and it's such an interesting title. I like the way, many of you will know J.D. Greer. The book is entitled, Jesus Continued. Jesus Continued. And it's such an insightful topic that is very good. And it just reminds us of the fact that when Jesus died and went to heaven, that there were, though it's finished and on the cross, the salvation work of God is finished because the Lord Jesus cried, it is finished on the cross and the tomb is empty. Yet what is happening now? Is Jesus in heaven sitting back in one of those recliner chairs, you know, the ones with the, with the little button on the side, electric, electricity goes through and he reclines back like this and he's, ah, Lord, done now. Sorry, you know, I'm sort of speaking in a very bad tone of voice there. Jesus is not doing that. He sent the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, continues with us and his work is continuing in our hearts. And when we talk about I want to know Christ, that's why you find in this note the word continue is mentioned 
Often, quite often, towards the end in the second part of this A4 sheet, you've got continued and continue and continuing mentioned constantly. Because he is continuing his work. This morning, we know that Jesus is continuing amongst us. Every Sunday we gather together, he is continuing his work in our hearts. That the Holy Spirit is continuing the work of Christ amongst us. He continues his work. Though he in person, the Lord Jesus, with the marks born at Calvary, is in the glory, the work of Christ is being continued. Forgive me for just continuing to say continued. (laughs) His work is continued in our hearts, right? So when we say, I want to know Christ, can you ever know Christ and say, well, I'm done. I know him now. Praise God. Here I have, he is Christ, I've learned all about him, I've lived so and so many, many years, I've studied the scriptures, read it from time to time, cover to cover, now I know Christ, hallelujah. Is that true? No, it's not true, I'm just speaking a little bit nonsense there, right? It's not true. We continue to know him. When will we ever say that we get, we know Jesus through and through, we know him, we know Jesus? Well, it'll never happen because Jesus is a second person of the Godhead. He is all glorious. It'll take eternity to know Jesus. Just as it will take eternity to know God the Father. It will take the years of eternity in the glory to come to know Jesus and we'll never know him then. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is the one who goes on through eternity as long as he is with God in eternity so we will ever be coming to know, coming to know, continuing to know Jesus. That's nice to to say those words. It's lovely to pray those words. I want to know Christ. Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Now this is eternal life. This is eternal life. Notice. This is eternal life again. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And in verse 26 of our chapter, it finishes like this. Verse 26 of John 17, I have it in front of me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. This is as the Lord Jesus is praying. This is after the Lord's Supper. You see, in chapter 18, he says, When he had finished praying, Jesus left his disciples, crossed the Kidron Valley, and went into the Garden of Olets, Garden of Gethsemane. So this is perhaps the last time that we hear Jesus pray. It is the longest prayer in the New Testament. There are a number of Paul's prayers in the New Testament as well, precious as well. But this is the longest prayer of of the Lord Jesus in the, new, the longest prayer full stop in the New Testament and so he says I will continue to make you known Jesus you are going to heaven how are you going to continue to make you known by the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Lord says I leave with them your word it's from Genesis to Jude and to Revelation we have the full and complete word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit to enlighten and enliven that word to us And it speaks of God. It speaks of the Lord Jesus. It speaks of the love of Christ. And so we continued, praise God, you know, we will continue to know him day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, 
whether, whatever the weather, whether it's full of sunshine like Taronga always um, sometimes is, and whether it's cold or warm, we continue to know him, praise God. And when we come to a group like this, you know, you come to know Jesus more and more by sharing one with the other. Look at all those things that we shared today. And we feel confident that the group here, this group of God's people, are going to share those things before the throne, like we bore that name Micah, little Micah before the throne, and others, Janice, and so many others. It's wonderful that we can actually share those moments together. I haven't even finished that first paragraph. Let us start again. I want to know Christ, Philippians 3.10. Now this is eternal... I stopped there because knowing Christ is eternal, people. This is eternal life. This is eternal life. And sometimes we've talked about, well, I have eternal life. I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was nine years old, there, 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 and now I have eternal life. You have a continuing eternal life. Eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, and will continue to make him known. Are you progressively coming to know Jesus Christ? Do you know him better today than you did yesterday? You know him better. Every day you get to know Jesus better. And it's true that we can ask God to reveal himself, ask the Lord to reveal himself more today than, you, than he did yesterday. It is a high priestly prayer. You know Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, right? Here we have particularly he is priest. And what is the work of a priest? He bears the, 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 the troubles and the difficulties and trials of the people before the throne of grace before the Lord. That's his job. That's the job of the priest. And Jesus intercedes and intervenes on behalf of his children in this chapter. It's our most precious chapter. Jesus with in. Why did I put that in, on, the, on your, um, in your brochures? Why did I ask that to be... It's not actually printed like that. But in your note, it's with dash in. Why? Have I got, it's a separation because he was with them and he will be in them. That's why it's a separation between the with and... It's deliberately put like that. Jesus was with them physically as they were able to touch and handle him and he will be in them through the presence of his Holy Spirit. So it's Jesus within. Christ within through the Holy Spirit. And what is the verse that I've got there? Well, it's easy to remember because there's a 14, 15, 16, 17. John 14, chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. So it's easy to remember the reference, right? Uh, Christ within, John chapter 14, verses 15, 16, and 17. The son is praying to his father. Six times in this chapter, single chapter, as the Lord Jesus is before the father, and he knows what is before him at the cross, and he knows that he's going to go through the cross and to the, to the glory. He says to the father six times, twice in the first few verses and four times in the rest of the chapter. He uses the word father. And I don't want to... You know where I'm coming to because of that emphasis. Coming from because of that emphasis. Because of this gender stuff that we are faced with these days. And, you know, you, you just want to put a, cover your face and say, Oh dear, not a, oh dear, not again, you know. But here we have the Lord Jesus 
referring to his father. And don't we pray, Lord Jesus, our heavenly father. Isn't it precious that we have a father? He's a father. He's not a folk or some other kind of terminology, people. The word of God uses the word father. Father. So we can continue to mention to him, Lord Jesus and our heavenly father. He is the father, son and Holy Spirit. Let us never forget that. And the world can say and do what it likes. It can turn everything around the wrong way if it wants to. But we know who our Father is. He is God the Father in heaven. Praise God. So the son is praying to his father. The context is after the discourse in the upper room. Most probably, yes, it is Thursday night of the final week. And what I want to say to do also links has a strong link back into the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 29, where the high priest bore the names of the children of Israel upon his heart, upon the breastplate, all the names, the 12 names, down one side and down the other side, the breastplate, as he entered daily into his service in the tabernacle. Precious thought. Because where is Jesus now? He is in the presence of the Father with your name and my name on his heart. If we could just think about it physically. Exodus, that is Exodus chapter 28 and verse 29. And it begins with that, with that particular intimacy. And twice in these first five verses, you know, in one of the writings I, I've been referring to, somebody preached on these verses 43 times. These verses, this passage, this passage. So I think, well, we can make a start anyway, you know. 43 times, and that, because it's so much, there's, I don't know whether there's 43 ver- uh, words there, you know, but um, it's just such a deep portion. Here we are, the veil is, as it were, opened, and the, Father, the Lord Jesus is in the presence of the Father. He says, Father, the time has come. Glory, then he speaks about glory. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. It's particularly one of glory. So we ought also, and we can follow this section of God's word and say, this is glory, God. Lord Jesus, you are going to the cross and you're going through Gethsemane to the cross, to the empty tomb, let's call it an empty tomb, to the presence of the Father, but through the sufferings of the cross. And it's going to be glory. And he's going to the Father. And it's going to be glorious. Father, the time has come, he says, glorify your son and so on. The Father glorifying the Son and the Son glorifying the Father in reciprocal glory. And I think we have the right also to follow this prayer and use those words as well. To speak those words of glory and saying, Lord, thank you for your glory. And Father, thank you for your magnificent glory. We can't understand it. We don't understand it all in this physical limitations that we have, the mental and this human body that we have. We can't understand what it must be to be in the awesome presence of God. We will be there one day. The pre- then secondly, prayer for protection. And on the other side of the page, thirdly, prayer for future disciples. So there's a section there that talks about prayer for protection. It's for the disciples, verses 6 to, 6 to 19. The source of this, this protection is by or in the power of the name. Verse 11 talks about that. Verse 11 says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. 
How powerful is the name of God? Does it have power in your life and mine? It is a magnificent, awesome, glorious, dynamic, dynamos, power of God, the name of Christ. That name. It's just shortly after this, people, uh, believers, in a, a little time later, as I'm reading from, the, the, from my note there, a little time later, the disciples demonstrated this power when in Acts chapter 3, the lame man jumped to his feet and began to walk. Acts chapter 3 and verse 8. Ask for an explanation of the power or name by which this miracle was done. Peter and John declared that it was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this man stands before you healed. And that's Acts chapter 4 and verse 10. This is the early church. This is the kind of power that they had in the early church. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man leapt and with strength came into his feet and he was walking. And they said, there's a notable miracle has been done and we can't deny it. So in the second part of that note, that note page a name which has power glorious name it's a name of Jesus and it has a it is the power of God's throne in heaven doing works which speak powerfully of God so that his name is magnified in great honor do we have those kinds of powerful works that we do believers we don't understand when we do those kind works and speak those loving deeds to each other how powerful that is. We, we don't actually see the, the, the walls falling down or the room shaking or the roof coming down or that sort of thing happening amongst us. But those words that we speak still have the power of, power of glory. Heaven's power. And we want, tr want to trust God and believe God that that is so. Doing works which speak powerfully of God so that his name is magnified and great, given great honor. Let your light, the scriptures say, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the good works that we do, good works, oh, it's so spoken of so much in my, my lifetime. Good works, no, it's not of works. No, you don't be not saved by good works and so on and so on. But listen, the believer continues daily to do good works which are as a result of his understanding and, and his response to the call of God in his life. And God goes to, asks us to go to another country like New, New Guinea or Fiji or some of the other countries around the world, Afghanistan, Nigeria, and Bolivia, and some of those going through terrible hard times, those believers are there. And I'm sure that if we were to do that, those good works would show forth the glory of God to the people around and even as a testimony to the people who are back here at home. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? Glory. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. They may see your good deeds. I underline that. They may see your good, day, good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. And the reference is there. Protection from the evil one. You know, we are not unaware of the fact that the evil one is always about his, his business. But we have the protection, the protection of the Lord Jesus. He prayed that we might be protected in this prayer. And so down through the, the years, we know that we have the presence and protection of the Lord Jesus. The joy is the cream of unity, so that they might, ha might have the full measure of my joy within them. See verse 13 of that chapter. 
I, mean, I can't go through it in, in detail. I've just picked out a number of thoughts for us to meditate on this morning. So that they might have the full measure of my joy. This comes from unity. Oneness. And we are a one people, a unit, united people. And we take that kind of care for each other in unity. United people we are. As we sit together and as we... Uh, pray for each other during the week and as we consider each other's difficulties and problems we bury each other's names up before the Lord of glory we are a united people um, even though our lives perhaps uh, take different turns and are, and are different um, we are still united because we love the Lord we have the one book we have a one fellowship and we have that one single Holy Spirit within our hearts that gives us great joy our unity gives us great joy. Joy unimaginable. Full of joy. We are. <clears throat> full measure. The full measure of my joy. I didn't look up the details of that. And I'm sure if we are able to, you could look up uh, the depth of what that really is saying to us. The full measure of Jesus' joy. I'll leave that to you. So thirdly, prayer for disciples, the future disciples. In verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. That's for those disciples who are with him. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now we have the scriptures, which are the, the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and of Paul, and of the Holy Spirit. These words are God-breathed before us. As we read these words, we have come to know and have accepted the Lord Jesus as our own personal Savior. So... We have those messages. We have believed through their words. Because of their words, we, have, we read Mark. We read John's Gospel. And we read those wonderful words of Matthew. And we, we say, yes, I believe. I believe it's true. And so we believe. So this group of people, uh, believers, in the last part of this prayer of the Lord's is ourselves. This is the Lord Jesus looking down through the years. And he said, there are those down there in 2021 who have believed on me. Those people, I'm praying for those people as well. I pray for unity so that the world may believe. Why are we united? Why do we have this kind of unity that we speak one with another and in agreeing with one another? Why? So that others might know. Not saying, oh, what a divided people they are. Oh, how they struggle together in all their difficulties, fights and problems. No, we are united people so that the world might know that this group, because of its unity, I want to know what that is. And they will say, I want to come to know them too. I want to enter that group too. What a wonderful group they are. So the word, the, that the world may believe, that's the purpose of our unity. Uh, are we united? Are we one with each other? Do we feel connected to each other? Not just a connectivity, but one with each other in our thoughts and prayers and concerns and the way we help each other constantly. The world might know that the world might know and come to know Jesus as the personal Savior. So unity. Secondly, eternally present with Jesus. Father, I want those you have given me in verse 24. I want, this is Jesus praying for you. I just love this portion. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. Who is praying before the Father? Who asks the Father that this might be so? Jesus. Jesus, the Savior we love. 
the second person of the Godhead, the one who is one with the Father and does everything in harmony with the Father, who glorifies the Father and the Father glorifies. That's the person who is praying this. I want those you have given me to be with me. Is there any possibility that's not going to be answered? Any possibility? There's no possibility. People, we are going, that's going, that's a prayer that the Lord Jesus has asked the Father to accomplish, and it's true we're going to be there with the Lord Jesus. We're going to see his glory. Oh, there was one in the Old Testament. You'll know him if it's, if I mention Exodus, you know him. He is Moses. And he says to God, says, Lord, show me your glory. Show me. I want to see your glory. And what does the Father say to him? God say to him, says, you can't see my glory, but I will just show you not my face, but my hind parts. To see the presence of God, to see his glory, it must be a magnificent experience. So that's Moses. I want to see your glory. Show me thy glory. Do you, want to, do you, have, that, you have that prayer? Do you have that longing also? It will be accomplished. It will be achieved in the coming day because Jesus has prayed and to see my Father. Help us. Father, I want them to see my glory. Isn't that beautiful? And people, this is thirdly and finally, this is an ongoing developing relationship with the Father. Yes, thank you. It is Jesus continued. And in one of the pages towards the end of this book, Greer says, God steers a pedaling bicycle. The bicycle on its own, people, doesn't go anywhere. In fact, if you get on it and stay on it on its own, you'll fall over unless you're on the, uh, the peloton somewhere right there, over there in Europe. You're pretty smart when you do that. But if you get on a bicycle which is still, you're going to fall over. A pedaling bicycle can be steered. And he says here, God steers a pedaling bicycle. Yes, it's true that as we go on in our Christian experience and know the presence of the Lord, continually praising him and worshipping and reading the word of truth, God steers your life to praise him and to know more of God. An ongoing developing relationship with the Father to continue to know God. His love in them, a continuing love story of love. At the end of this prayer, Jesus promises to continue to make God known. And I've read it already, and I would like to read it again, because it's as the Lord finishes this prayer. He says, I have made you known to them, and will continue. So daily, people, as we take up the word of God, and have our devotional time, or as we take up any portion of God's word, and just sit quietly and ask the Lord to reveal it to us, he will reveal that to us. He will continue to make his Father known. It's an ongoing relationship with the Father. Daily as we walk these streets and walk these paths, and we have a special privilege to come to a deeper knowledge of the Lord on a daily basis. At the end of this prayer, so I've read it to you. Jesus himself in them. He says, I myself in them, verse 26. This is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is a loving father-child relationship. Jesus is even now continuing his work. He continues his work. I'll just keep on saying that word. Which began in the gospel stories, progressed on into the book of Acts, and on through the ages of time until his church is taken into glory, and on beyond that, because 
We know him as the interceding high priest. This chapter 17 tells us of that. He is an interceding high priest and he bears our names before the Father in heaven. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 says, He always lives to intercede for them. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 20. He always lives to intercede before them. So, Christians, believers, Carmel Church, today, the 15th of August, 2021, let's say again, I want to know Christ and on a daily basis because we will never have enough of him. We'll never know enough of him. It is a continuing relationship between us and the Father as the Holy Spirit reveals him to us.